15:36, and it says this. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia. I love this. Paul wouldn't even call the man by his name. He said, I ain't calling him John or Mark. He's the traitor. He's the one who ditched us in our time of need. And he said, on, and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went to Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful that you are here with us. And anything can happen. We believe that you are a God that does wonderful things. God, for every single person, God, that's watching from their living room or their bedroom or their kitchen, those that are in Baltimore, those that are in this room, God, I pray that you would speak to us in a special way. God, we're making this commitment even before the message. God, when you speak, we will obey. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen and amen. You guys ready for week two of Cancel Culture? We started a series last week called Cancel Culture, and it's kind of speaking to one of the kind of popular things that are going on right now, and that is that everybody is just getting canceled for any reason at all. Now, I don't want to make it sound trivial. Some people have earned their cancellation. They have said some dumb stuff out the side of their mouth. They have been silent when they should have spoken up or whatever it may be. Some of you are like, what's this cancel culture? I've never heard that term before. Well, according to the Urban Dictionary, uh, to be canceled is to be blackballed, to be shunned, to be avoided. To, you are dead to me. I'm not dealing with you anymore. And nowadays, you can get canceled for anything. You could get canceled for you look wrong, you say wrong, you go there, you do this. I just don't like the way you smell. You are canceled. <laughs> and the question is, as believers, as followers of Christ, which we are, somebody say amen. Remember back in the 90s when they had the little bracelets, WWJD, what would Jesus do? As believers, it's not our goal to do what emotions would do or do what payback would do. Or do what that friend who stabbed us in the back or whatever may be. No, how would Jesus respond to this culture? So here's the question. To cancel or not to cancel? That is the question. Would Jesus cancel? Has Jesus canceled? I, I find for most people when it comes to, and let me sound, you know, a little bit more psychology and all that. To create healthy boundaries. I find when it comes to distancing yourself from, from people or whatever it may be, most people fall into two categories. Now, I only have a biblical term for one. I can't think of a biblical term for others, but we'll figure it out. The one is what I call the grace category. And they're the ones that they will put up with almost anything. I know you just ran my dog over with your car, but you must have a long day. Maybe you have cataracts. You, you've been stressed out. There, there's a lot going on. I, forget, I get it. I get it. I get it. We all make mistakes. And I didn't really like the dog anyway, so it all worked out. <laughs> but they're quick to show grace and forgive and compassion and to put up, you can tell which category I'm in, with a whole lot of foolishness. 
Then there's the others of us. <laughs> but to be real, I didn't even like you that much in the first place. <laughs> and as far as I'm concerned, you do you, you do me. I'm going on my way. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. <laughs> Just quick to say, hey, I'm done. That's your last chance. We don't do three strikes. We do one strike. You're out. <laughs> I'm moving. I didn't play baseball, so it is what it is. They're just quick to cut people off, to quick to cancel people. Which, which one as believers should we be? Now, because half the room and half of Baltimore and half online, you fall into both categories. As a believer, you're making an argument for we're, God is grace. We are grace. We should give everybody unlimited grace. On the other hand, you're like, well, nope, I remember a couple verses <laughs> about don't mess with them. And those are the verses that I'm going to choose to read. I love scripture. This is a rhetorical question. How many people love God's word? Throw it in the chat. Shout me out at Baltimore. How many people, by the way, if you, if you didn't have the privilege of growing up in children's church, let me help you how children's church works. Whenever the teacher asks a question, there's only one answer, Jesus. Who parted the Red Sea? Jesus. No, it was Moses. Well, technically, Jesus' presence was hovering. It's always Jesus. So when the pastor says, do you love God's word, there's really only one answer. It's... One of the reasons why I love God's word is because it's real. And, and you can go and, and research all the archaeological digs and all the different things that, that, that prove the validity of Scripture. I know Scripture is real because of all the drama in it. If you were trying to make up a book, you wouldn't put the dirt in it. You would try to make it look perfect. Here you have two of the most influential pastors, apostles in Scripture, the Apostle Barnabas and the Apostle Paul. And in Acts chapter 15, we read about the first church split <laughs> recorded in Scripture. Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas was actually Paul's mentor. He's the one that developed Paul, that taught him the ministry. And they went on a missions trip together where they saw outrageous miracles from God, planted churches all over, and saw thousands of people come to Christ. Well, now it was time for them to go on their second missions trip to, to check in on the churches that they had planted. And Barnabas wanted to bring a young man by the name of John Mark. Now, John Mark had come with them on half of the first trip. But halfway through, it got a little hairy, and uh, John Mark missed his girlfriend, and he said, I didn't sign up for all of this. So he went back, and he ditched them halfway through the journey. Well, Paul said, look, we're not bringing the snot-nosed little kid anymore. Leave him back home. This is grown man's business. I'm not taking him. Barnabas says, no, 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 we are taking him. He made a mistake, but we're not going to define him by his mistake. He gets a second chance. The Bible said they, became, they came into a sharp disagreement. Now, it just leaves it for your imagination. I don't know what sharp means to you, but sharp means to me, it's not just the disagreement. I could just picture volumes just rising just a little bit. Could you imagine how awkward it was? John Mark's there, Silas is there, the rest of the, oh, this is, this is, this is. And, and you know it happened in the parking lot. Because all the best church history happens in the parking lot. It doesn't happen in the building. Let's take this outside. Now, I don't know if they came to blows. I don't think so. I think Paul, I don't know why, you can judge me, you can think I'm insensitive. I think Paul was more of a kind of a slight guy, and, and he knew I don't want to throw hands because that's not going to go well. 
And I feel like Barnabas was more of a prosperous type of fella. He just strikes me as someone who's, he's an encourager. He's just, he's just yeah, okay, whatever. I just think Paul didn't want none of it. So they're arguing, and then they decide, you know, you do you and I'm going to do me. Barnabas said, fine. Paul said, fine. And they went there separate ways. But because I'm nosy, I'm reading this passage, and I'm like, Holy Spirit, who's right? Because somebody got to be right, somebody got to be wrong. Is Paul right for canceling John Mark, or is Barnabas right for being long-suffering and not canceling? So we're going to unpack that. Anybody saw Hamilton, Hamilton, the, 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 the uh, Broadway show that came out? Me and my wife had, had the privilege, we some phenomenal friends. We actually went and saw it live, and it just came out on Disney+. Plus. So we're like seeing again and reliving the whole deal. And there's this one scene, and I think it's Alexander Hamilton and Thomas Jefferson, and they're arguing, and they have like this rap battle where they're arguing over their different parts. If you haven't seen it, you have to see it. So I just was writing this message this week, and I just pictured this rap battle between Barnabas and Paul. Chicka, 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 let me tell you about only problem is I can't rap, so we're going to skip the whole theatrics. But I feel like Paul and Barnabas, if they were here, obviously it's going to start with Paul because Paul had the biggest mouth. Write this down. Here's what Paul would say. Nobody ever has the right to block your destiny. If Paul was here trying to justify his stance of canceling John Mark, here's what Paul would tell you, hear me, nobody has the right to block the call of God in your life, to block the destiny that God has for you. Now, I understand, and this is Paul speaking, that as Christians, we should be slow to cancel people. We should be slow to turn our back on people. We should be long-suffering. The Bible says, love your enemies, forgive those who have hurt you. And, and I get all of that. There is not many reasons that you should cancel somebody from your life. Matter of fact, I believe there's only one reason biblically that you should cancel somebody from your life. And that's when that person is blocking the destiny, the call that God has on your life. You see, you can look at Paul and say, man, how heartless can you be? How could you throw John Mark to the side? Yes, he abandoned you in your time of need one time, but everybody makes a mistake. Give him another chance. Here's what Paul would say. Paul would say, keep reading on. Because in Mark, Acts chapter 15, we're arguing on who we should come bring along on the journey. But as soon as you get into Acts 16, we find ourselves in prison. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 16, verse 25. It says, but at midnight, Paul and, notice it didn't say Paul and John Mark. Because if we had brought John Mark on the journey, he would have ditched me and I would have been in prison by myself. It says, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, and the foundation of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loose. Here's what happened. Paul and Silas, they went into a city and they were preaching the good news of Jesus. And a servant girl came who was demon-possessed, and they delivered this young lady from her oppression. Well, the people in the city got so mad because they were making money off of her bondage. That's a different story for a different day. And it says they arrested Paul and Silas and they beat them and they throw them into prison. Now just think about it if it was John Mark in that situation. 
First of all, he probably would have left by now. Second of all, by the time they done whooped him one time, he would have been singing whatever song they needed him to sing to get out. It was Paul. I tell you, it was Paul. He's a traitor. It was all him. I'll give you all the secrets or whatever. He was squealing. He would not have been where Paul needed him to be at the greatest time he needed him. This is just a thought. The Bible says, if two of you agree on anything in my name, it shall be done. Paul needed two people to see that miracle come to pass. Imagine if he had taken John Mark, was there by himself, and he's singing and praising hymns, but there's nobody in agreement with him. Here's what Paul would say to you. He said, no, 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 no. It's not that I canceled John Mark because I didn't like John Mark. It's that I valued the call of God on my life. More than I valued a person that didn't die on the cross for me, by the way. Here's the question. How many of us are valuing personal relationships more than we're valuing the reason why God has left us here on earth and what he has called us to fulfill? Some of us are more loyal to people than we're loyal to our Savior. It's just interesting to me how we are so quick to cancel people that don't have any real impact on our lives. You want to cancel that, 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 that artist or that, that politician or, or I'm not ever going to a movie from this actor again or whatever it may be. I have a question for you. If you never listen to their music again, if you never go to their movie, if you never, well, you've never spoken to them in the first place, do you think they're even going to know? We're quick to cancel people that don't really have much influence in our life. But you've kept that trifling boyfriend around. <laughs> I'm going over here. You've been dating him for how long? He still hasn't put a ring on it. Challenging you to compromise your relationship with God. Guess who's back? <laughs> Come on out. Can I get a little bit more trouble, Baltimore? What about that family member? No, no, no. Not mama. Not you. Some of you have family members that are travel agents for guilt trips. <laughs> Every, you never, and you never, well, if you would just, if you would. But yet, because of DNA, you have been loyal to someone that is keeping you from maximizing all that God has for you. Could it be that what we call grace is actually avoiding a difficult decision? May I even say uh, a painful decision? Paul would also say this, by actually keeping people in your life that, that you should cancel, not only are you compromising your commitment to God and your commitment to the call of God in your life, but you're actually not doing them any favors either. Paul would say, hey, if you look at the life of John Mark, he went on to have a phenomenal ministry. God did great things through his life, and, and I, as Paul, take credit for that. Because if John Mark hadn't experienced the pain of rejection, he would have never been humbled and turned to the real purpose that God had for him. For those of you that just have grace for the whole world and you won't cancel anybody, get a load of 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, where it says this, deliver such one to Satan. Whoa. <laughs> you know, there's just some things you don't even got to preach. You just read it and just let it simmer. 
It says, deliver such one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, let me give you a little context. Paul said, I'm not talking about unbelievers. We get really shocked when people who don't know Jesus act like they don't know Jesus. He said, they don't know Jesus. Why are you surprised that they don't know Jesus? Why are you offended like they don't know Jesus? They're acting like they are. Don't be offended. They just need Jesus. He was talking about someone who claimed to know Jesus, someone who was a believer but still living like they didn't know Jesus. You could read the details on your own. There was a dude, and he was in a relationship with his stepmom. It was... That's about as far as I'm going to go because it ain't going to be PG if I give you any more details. Read it on your own. But Paul said that type of Christian, you shouldn't even eat with them. Don't let them into your house. He said turn them over to Satan. Here's why. Because they're going to experience enough pain in life that will turn their heart, hopefully, back to God. For many of us, what we call grace is enabling. I like that ooh, so I'll go a little bit further. The Bible says, spare the rod, spoil your child. What does it mean? As humans, even from young, a lot of us, we only make life changes when pain comes. It's not just for a four-year-old, it's for a 40-year-old. And when you're 40, it's not go get the switch. It may be foreclosure. It may be a repossession or a job loss or whatever it may be, but there's going to be an amount of pain that, that causes a change in direction. And Paul said if you keep rescuing people out of the pain of their decisions, you keep them from having to humble themselves before God and get on the right track. Nobody has the right. All right, Paul, I get what you're saying, but... <laughs> Barnabas is like, okay, right, 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 right. You had your word. Now let me give mine. Write this down. This is what Barnabas would tell you. Everyone has potential. Yeah, nobody has the right to block your destiny, but here's what you have to understand. Everyone has potential. Paul, you're saying that you cut John Mark off to fulfill your calling. Well, what was your calling? Your calling was to reach people. What sense does it make to cut off people to reach? Seems kind of counterproductive. Well, I know you're a Pharisee. You're not that bright, so let me help you out with math. If you're trying to reach five people and you cut off one person to reach those five, guess what you really just did? You only reached four. You'd be more effective if you kept the people that you reached while reaching more. Here's the thing. Everybody has potential. Everybody has a future. Everybody has the ability to maximize what God has given them. As long as you are breathing oxygen here on earth, your best days can still be ahead of you. And what kind of believers would we be if we judged people based on their worst day? Could you imagine if your worst day defined the rest of your life? Some of y'all would still be in prison right now. I, I can't actually tell my story. It's still three years of limitations on that. I'll tell you three years. But anyway, if we were all <laughs> joking, if we were all judged on the worst decision we ever made, for many of us, it would have been over a decade ago. 
junior year of spring break. That was, we're not even going to talk about it. Here, here's what Barnabas would say. Matthew chapter 5 verse 43 says this. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, woo, love your enemies. That's a hard one. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. That pray for, that's a hard one. You ever finish your prayer time in the morning or whenever you pray during lunch or before you go to bed and you're going about your business and you realize you forgot to pray for something? I can't even find the memory to pray for everything I need. More or less have time or mental capacity to pray for somebody I don't even like. But I love them because the Bible says I have to. No, he said pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Oh, now you're coming after my identity. Oh, if you really want to be a son of God, then this is what you're going to do. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even tax collectors do the same. And, and tax collector was synonymous with the most ratchet. Like the most ungodly people, even they love everybody who loves them. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect. As your Father in heaven is perfect. Well, there goes that whole verse because I ain't perfect. So <laughs> thanks for putting that in there. That's my out. I'm not perfect, so I might as well be not try. Well, in the original translation, this word perfect doesn't mean mistake-free. That word perfect means fully developed or fully mature. In other words, what it's saying is if you want to be a mature Christian, you don't write people off just because they spitefully use you or persecute you or lie about you or stab you in the back or whatever it is that that person has done to you. Barnabas is saying, actually, the sign of a, a mature believer is you don't treat people the way that they deserve to be treated. You treat people the way that God's told you to treat them. Which means I'm going to love you in spite of what you've said about me. I'm going to pray for you in spite of what you've accused me of. I'm committed to you because of who my father is, not because of your performance in my life. Another thing that Barnabas would tell you is, can I tell you why Paul is so high and mighty and so quick to cancel other people? It's because Paul forgot that one time he was canceled by the church. And just so you, it's just between me and you, between Barnabas and y'all, don't tell anybody else. Do you know who came and saved Paul's trifling self when the church wanted nothing to do with it? Me, the son of encouragement. The Bible says this in Acts chapter 9 verse 26. When Saul had come to Jerusalem, by the way, they didn't even call him Paul. Paul was like his, I'm saved name. Saul was his ratchet name. He said, when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. It was so sad, y'all. Saul was outside the church banging on the door. They sent the security to the front door talking about, you got a ticket? Nope, you can't come in. And slammed the door right in his face. 
Because you see, before Saul had surrendered to Christ on the road to Damascus, he actually was murdering Christians. He murdered one of the most godly people I ever knew, a guy by the name of Stephen. He was an anointed man, favored by the Lord. <laughs> I'm having fun. But when they didn't want anything to do with him, look what it says in verse 27. But Barnabas, yeah, that's me, I means son of encouragement took Saul and brought him to the apostles, and I declared to them how I, he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. The only reason Paul was an apostle is because I stuck my neck out for him. And after a few miracles and a few rallies and a few messages, Paul forgot where he came from and refused to show the grace to somebody else that had been shown him. Listen, everybody has potential. The reason you're sitting in this room or watching online right now is because someone didn't give up on your potential. So what right do we have to throw people away? And they give up on the potential that's in them just because they've made a mistake. Even if that mistake offended us. Here's what the Bible says. If you found any comfort in God, any solace in him, any joy, any love in God, then consider somebody else's needs above your own needs or emotions. Yeah, Barnabas, that sounds all good. And show grace and all that. You're not telling them the whole story. Tell them how John Mark is your cousin. Oh, yeah. That's why you're really showing him grace. Not because he deserves it, because he's family. You're just being loyal to family. John, Mark, and Barnabas were cousins. And, and Barnabas was looking out for his cousin. But here's what Barnabas would say. You're exactly right. I showed him grace because he's family. And because he's family, I knew him better than you. Paul, it was easy for you to give up on him because you never took the time to get to know him. You never got the time to see what the anointing that God had placed on his life, what his fears, what his story was, what his journey was. Why was he traveling with us instead of his father? You didn't take the time to get to know him, and because you didn't take the time to get to know him, it was easy for you to cast him away. But here's what the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at your most recent mistakes. Man looks at your most recent Twitter posts. Does anybody even post on Twitter anymore? Whatever, yes, God bless you. Sorry. <laughs> Move on. On your outward appearance. But the Lord looks at... Can we talk about cancel culture for a second? We are quick to cancel people based on a what have you done for me lately. I will judge you based on your last 30 days of performance. Here's what Barnabas would say. That's how unbelievers judge people. But as followers of Christ, remember back in the 90s, what would Jesus do? How does Jesus judge? Here's how Jesus judges based on what's in a man, what's in a woman. Not based on their last mistake, not based on their last fear. God looks at the heart, and so should we. Point three. Oh, that was good. That was good. Woo! <laughs> All right, the last one is this. Write this down. Write this down. And this is our homie, Paul. And he says this, everyone gets another chance. 
So you heard Barnabas, you heard me. I need to clear something up as Paul, though. Because I feel like I'm getting a bad rap. Like I'm the one who just throws people to the side, abandons them, and forgets about them. Hold up one minute. I gave John Mark a second chance. If you read on in Scripture in 2 Timothy, when I was asking for them to send people to send help, I specifically asked for John Mark. I said that he's a son in the faith, that he's effective, that he's useful, useful in ministry. Matter of fact, John Mark went on to have a great ministry. I think it's because I abandoned him and he was forced to humble himself, but that's neither here nor there. Honestly, it was because of Barnabas's investment in his life. But Barnabas developed John Mark. He, he got some consistency and some loyalty in him to the point where the apostle Peter, who many people believe was the head of the church, brought John Mark on as his personal secretary. John Mark spent years and years learning from Peter to the point where Peter calls him a true son in the faith. And by the way, you guys remember the Gospels? Matthew, who do you think wrote Mark? Now I have to say it wasn't that long because he didn't have much to say, but he at least... <laughs> He at least got to write a book in the Gospels. Mark went on to have a phenomenal ministry. By the way, I didn't give you the title of the message until now. Let me give you the title of the message. Today's message is called Temporarily Canceled. Should a believer cancel anybody, it should be the last resort. It should not be our preference. It should not be our norm. The only reason why is when they're blocking the call of God on our life. And if we cancel someone, it should only be temporarily. It's not you're dead to me and I never want to see you or deal with you again. It's no, at this season of life, you're detrimental to the call of God on my life. But if you ever repent, if you ever humble yourself before God, I just want you to know the door is always open. You will always get a chance to step back into my life. By the way, here's what Paul would say. I have a reputation of restoring people. So look at this picture that I just cut people off. Remember Timothy? Remember Silas? There's a laundry list of people that I've developed and released in the ministry. And I know I'm being shady, but just understand, you never heard Barnabas mentioned again. So I'm just saying, here we go. Philemon chapter 1 verse 10. This is Paul speaking. He said, I appeal to you from my son Onesimus. If I had time to tell you about this ratchet boy Onesimus, whom I have begotten. That means he's my son while I was in prison who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable, is profitable to you and to me. Skip to verse 17, says this. Then if you count me as a part, as Paul, if you see me as an apostle, as you see me as a pastor, well, treat Onesimus the same way you would treat me. But if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my tab. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention you, that you owe me. I, I love how shady the Bible is. Y'all missed like three hilarious things. First of all, he said, whatever Onesimus owes you, put it on my tab. I'll pay you back. Then he said, I'm writing this in my own hand. Many theologians believe that the thorn in his flesh that Paul was talking about was that he was losing his eyesight and becoming blind. So they believe that Timothy and different ones that were serving Paul, that they actually wrote the books of the Bible and that Paul dictated it to them. 
So when Paul said to the church of Philemon, I'm writing it in my own hand, what he was saying is, this is not Onesimus plagiarizing my signature, trying to get back in. I actually wrote this myself. And he said, just in case you don't want to forgive Onesimus, just remember you owe me. Remember that time I came and I paid my own way and I paid for my own hotel and I left and y'all didn't even feed me? Yeah, pay him back for me. Question for you. When's the last time you stood up for somebody else that others were rejecting? When's the last time you looked at people and said, hey, if you're going to accept me as a friend, as a brother, as a sister, then they come with me. It's a package deal. Everybody gets a second chance. Here's what I find, and this is just Stephen and his conjecture, so if you're offended, take it up with Jesus. I find that grace folks, long-suffering folks, you just put up with a whole, you, I mean, you put up with more than anybody ever should have put up with. When you're done, you done. Oh, I'm done forever. And you will never, ever, 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 ever get a chance back into my life. And I find us quick to cut, <laughs> you did, are also quick to allow people back into our lives. For us quick to cut, slow down. Are they blocking your destiny? Here's another shady thing Barnabas would say. Why is it so easy to block your destiny? Just asking. But maybe we should be slower in building fences. And for us grace people, maybe you need to cut a little faster. But leave that window of faith open that God can still reach that person's heart that he can still restore, that he can still mend that relationship. I have three questions for you. One is, what relationships are you entertaining at the expense of your destiny? Two, who have you given up on because you haven't taken the time to get to know them or to see the potential that God's placed in their heart? What relationships have you walked away from that you're no longer praying that God would restore? that you've cut off all faith that there could be a second chance because we serve a God, forget the second of the 39th and 50th and 70th chance. I'm telling you, God can restore everything that's been lost. Can we pray? Father God, we're grateful. God, we are thankful. God, that you are the faithful one who's been faithful to us. God, you've placed that faithfulness inside of us through the gift of your Holy Spirit that lives in us. God, I pray that you would give us strength not to live based on feelings and emotions, to live as sons and daughters of God, dictated and led by your spirit and your peace. Just where you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you can pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time, to make this message personal to you. No matter who you are, there could be a completely different angle that God's bringing to your heart. Some of us need to cut. Some of us need to restore. Some of us need to just pray and keep the fences up. Some of us are missing the most valuable relationship that there ever could be, and that's the relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
maybe you grew up in church, maybe you call Destiny Church home, or you, you're just viewing from online, you consider yourself a Christian, but in your heart of hearts you know, I can't say that I have a personal relationship with God. Nobody around me would recognize me as a Christian. I can't say that I'm following his example. I don't have his peace. I don't have his joy. But I want it. Or maybe you've just never kind of done the church, the Christian world. You're just tuning in or just joining or whatever it may be. And you don't really know all that's going on. You just know, man, I'm missing that peace, that joy, that relationship that you're talking about. If that's you, it would be my greatest honor as a pastor. I have been praying for you all week. That you would make the greatest, most life-changing decision you ever could make. That's you, right where you are. Can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for being my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross so that all of my sin, all of my mistakes can be erased. Today, I surrender. I give you all that I am. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church, can you celebrate for every single person that just made the greatest decision ever? Thanks again for tuning in to this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.